When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr in the chair. Hope you're doing all right. Lots to get into from Scott Frost. Sit down with the World Herald and Journal star. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. We are loaded so up. Much. Uh, He's time- going to fire the whole staff, otherwise they're not going to win any games. That's, well, no. Right? No. No. Oh. That's what everybody says. Well, I know. And between the the smoke that's been in the air the last week and a half, two weeks, and what's going on, I mean, it's it's night and day. Um, can join us this morning if you want to chime in four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity dot com. Mark at HaleVarsity.com, and find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach, at Damon Barr with two R's for Damon. And you'll need to tweet into Damon because he had a karaoke party last night, Cranach. Oh, okay. What did you sing? Uh, you know, he will get to that, but right now he's on his seventh cup of coffee because homeboy crawled in here, and I'm proud of him for doing oh. it. I, I sometimes do uh, Johnny Cash as Joe Pesci, ah, like in, in karaoke. You know, binds, binds, binds. The ring of fire. fire. It sounds better when I'm when you're doing job. gathered up. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just say uh, you uh, get a little whiskey going, or maybe a yeah. beer or two, whatever you want it, to do. And was it and red? You can was really it, belt? Was it was it, it, it red it, wine last night, Damon? It was a, it was a bush apple kind of night. I have a oh. case left over. <laughs> Oh. Bush apple kind of night. Dude, I just threw up in my mouth a little. Bush <laughs> apple does not. Well, if we that were. That just sounds like poor decisions in, call, in my college days. I'm, I'm sure it was good. Uh, so if we were to to attach a flavor. Bush apple. If we were to attach a flavor to the 2020 football season, what would it be? Would it be bush oh. apple? That's like bush, like cactus. I Perhaps. There's some like thorns going down as you're drinking it, but you know, you you, you you power through it can get the job done. Yeah, if you can just deal with you know the 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 thorns uh-huh. jamming into your throat. Well, on the way down, lot a lot of thorns to get rid of as it's time to to do a little maintenance uh, with Nebraska football. And listen, I I have a, a lot of thoughts here on Scott Frost sit down and you know. I'm I'm a bit surprised, but I I don't have a problem with him 
standing pat with with the the ten assistants. I mean, loyalty is a good thing, and and loyalty can be taking taken too far. But I think he's betting on that staff, and above all, he is. I think realizing and embracing that. Yeah, you you are the the head coach for for all facets of of the football team. <laughs> It only took four years to but, figure that out. Hey, <laughs> it took me two and a half to figure out I'm not a you business major, all right? You, you, you didn't know that. notice that title when you updated your LinkedIn I, and but, uh, but put head coach next to it? But it's, I mean, but it, it's, it's different, though, right? It's, 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 it, it shouldn't be, but it, but it has been in his head coaching experience, right? Let's, when you, let's look it up on LinkedIn and just see. When, like, when Scott you, Frost has updated his <laughs> His job status to head coach. That means all of football. Can... That means paying attention to special teams. Yeah. And that means delegating some of the play calling. And I don't know, other than it was kind of split the last four games when it comes to who was calling what. If if we can, that zero... was interesting, right? Yeah, if we can zero down to, you know, the plays that worked. <laughs> or more of a uh, ability to focus in on the power run side of things. To me, that's that's more of a Lubick staple, right? Uh, just from from some of his time at, at Washington and 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 that that mo. So maybe Nebraska is is tweaking and drifting towards dare I say the I word an identity. Uh, on offense and that'll mean Scott will know who's supposed to be out there on special teams that'll mean uh, ability to think a few steps ahead from a game management and just helping scheme Steve things up and uh, the uh, the the play sheet's awesome and he loves that and he's been really good at that in his career and I just, I, how hard will that be for him to to take a, st- a, a few steps away? Now that he doesn't have veto power, Crane Eck, not that he can't make a, a decision, you know, if it's fourth and one, what do we do, coach? All those things. But it, it's just being more well-rounded. It's, it's more yeah. mature. It's, it's the, the, the CEO type. And if you want to be a play caller and do design and scheme up and recruit, and that's your love, then then maybe you're a coordinator, not a head coach. <laughs> well, that's a really it's a really good way of putting it. And I think him putting it out there in those sit downs with World Herald and mm-hmm. Journal Star. I mean, if Scott, if nothing else, Scott Frost, I think has proved to be pretty honest, almost mm-hmm. to a fault in some ways, where he just kind of puts it out there and 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 sometimes you're you're like maybe, maybe you shouldn't put it out there <laughs> but he just does it anyways and he talked about that he talked about how yeah you know it's pretty hard for me to be engaged with what's going on defensively and what's going on with special teams when i'm buried in the minutiae of my play sheet mm-hmm. and we're all sitting there like yeah <laughs> yes that that's not yeah. a fault that's a reality it, yeah it, it, like it's, it's it's hard to serve so many masters it just is well, well, it's good that he's figuring that out, but it's also one of those things where you're just like, dude, Figure how did you out. not know that already? Well, it's you think you can you think you can do everything, right? You just you just yeah. do. Or you or you want to be able to do what you love most 
and 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 hope the rest of it takes care of itself because in your your previous stop it it did right yeah sure and but but another important point there this isn't to throw stones it's just facts he has one winning season in five years mm-hmm. that winning season was an undefeated uh, amazing season very few people can say they've done it but like that's the facts right just one one all all the others were losing seasons right so it's uh, so it's not like his his approach is beyond reproach and to have the humility to understand that is is good and i th- if nothing else i think he has been humbled and he's got to feel it too because anybody that's he's got to feel the i don't know if it's pressure is the right word but you know he said it and bill moose said it like okay so you're four like Okay. Be in the conversation, <laughs> not in fifth or sixth place. Yeah. I mean, it's three years in a row that Nebraska's finished fifth in its division. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, though, about about those finishes. I mean, you are what your record says, and this isn't to, to, to blow smoke, but it's a legit question. As you look at 12 and 20, as you look at one-score losses, mm-hmm. are you – where are you at this morning after this sit-down, this hour-long Zoom call, this, all right, I'm going to relinquish some of my play-calling duties. I'm going to pay attention to, to more of what's going on. I'm standing by my guys. Uh, I, I have put out publicly that, Luke, you can be a quarterback, and we want you to be a quarterback. I've put out publicly that, you know what, maybe we need bigger wide receivers, and we can go towards more what we want to be on offense, right? I, I felt like... He was torn with, okay, we, we got to play Luke because we want the kid to stay. We got to get the ball to Wandale because we want the kid to stay. But, uh, man, I want to do what what I have done well, and that's run my offense, this, this Oregon template. And I'm also a guy that, that is, is pretty confident in what I am and, and what we should be. So you have all of those things swirling around, and and the, the reality is you're losing to some teams that, that you have more talent than, and you're not playing clean enough football, and, and, and your own team has helped take yourself down in games, not just the opponent, right? So when we talk about competing for the West and you look at how they finished the last three years – you can see on one side of the coin where, yeah, they, they should be able to compete if they get clean things cleaned up. And they've been in enough ball games where if it would have bounced the other way, if they would have been better themselves, they're, they're right there knocking on a door to be in contention for a West Division title towards the end of the season. That's not been the reality but do you think they're that far away, or is it just no too much? I don't. Too much. I don't either. And that, and, and you know, there's oh. some feedback on on so you know, what do you mean compete for the West? What team are you? I get it. I, I I see the shortcomings. I see the missteps. I see the mistakes, and I see the 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 the, the efficiency not being a, a consistent factor. I see the quarterback play not being consistent, and you know, the, this Nebraska football team is resembled by. Their quarterback play. You get some really great and you get some really terrible and you don't get enough gray area or you don't get enough lean towards the just just be good. Just be efficient. And yeah. and can you clean it up in, in one season with this schedule? 
I don't know. Uh, but you can be better. And if you have more attention and emphasis and importance placed on the little things, then you can absolutely pull off a, a season in a, in, a, in a tough schedule in a brutal league where, yeah, you're, you're right there. They're, they have enough talent. Everyone down there at the stadium has a ton of ability. They just got to be better. And, and it kind of comes to them recognizing that, realizing that, and then executing that on, 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 along with the staff and along with the, the players themselves. And that can take on so many forms. And, you know, some of the feedback that you're seeing now on message boards, social media, and all that is, you know, people want heads on stakes, you know. Verduzco, Dude, that's, that's I'll say you know? this. That's the easiest thing in the world is to yeah. throw somebody under the bus and offer up your sacrificial uh, lamb to the volcano. That's yeah, that yeah. happens too many damn times in coaching and it's it's garbage. And yeah. I, I appreciate him, whether you think you need a new quarterback coach or not, whether you think you need a new pick a position coach, because everyone's got an opinion on it. The fact he said, you know what, dude, I'm staying with these guys. Uh, I brought them in. We're going to be better together. The easy thing is to start firing. So I appreciate yeah. I appreciate him standing up, and and we're, let's all work it out together. And if we go down, we're going to go down our way. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I hope they don't. I really hope that they get it figured out because these guys are are, are talented at what they do. It's not just come together for them. Yeah, it's. Look, and it's, yeah, and we all don't know. I mean, it's easy to sit here and say, well, if you hire, let's see, if you get Muschamp as D coordinator. Right, I mean, you can go go all-star list of, but listen, your defense wasn't the problem last year except for one game. Yeah. Your special teams um, was the problem. Your your, your play calling and, and... and identity was a problem. Your let's get let's get Bill O'Brien as quarterbacks coach. Sure, I mean let's you, uh, right. It, like you assume that that's going to automatically result in in something different on the field, but we don't really know that. And so it's it's very easy to say all that. Like, oh, Verd- the quarterbacks are struggling, so Varduzko has to go. Up oh, the offensive line wasn't very good, so up oh, so Austin has to go. We don't know that that's it. We just don't, and we would not even be talking about it in any way, shape, or form, if the results were different. <laughs> if if Martinez, for instance, cut his turnovers in half, would mm. anybody be talking about Verduzco? No. Mm-mm. If, if um, you know, if, if the offensive line was a bit more stable and you could run the ball a little, right? We don't know that by replacing Austin with somebody else or replacing Verduzco with somebody else is all of a sudden magically going to fix all that ails Nebraska. Yeah, you we might be, you, you might be ticked about 5 and 7. Yeah. But say you make the wrong replacement, it it it, it disrupts the progress Bob Diaco. The progress you have and you go Bob Diaco. And you go the other way. You go from <laughs> not good enough to to way worse. Right. I mean, that's yeah. perfect case in point. You Insert know, Bob Diaco. Yeah, Banker, right? Banker, <laughs> Banker did a really pretty good job when he was here. All right, and there's a lot of good adjustments Banker made in the second half of games. The not the last nine win season Nebraska had, where teams didn't didn't do crap in the second half scoring against the Nebraska defense. They get 17 or 20 in the first half, and then that was it. <laughs> okay, it's and, never that simple. No, and and look from from the get go. 
And if we rewind four years and keep ourselves honest on it, I think most people were in agreement at that time. Stability is super important for this program. Super, super important. You need stability, right? And so, and, and so when that was announced and when Frost came in, we all felt pretty good because we're like, okay, look, he's bringing his entire staff over. Who does that? Nobody does that. Wow, that's a good continuity stability play right there. He's sticking with that plan. And if nothing else, if nothing else, I, I feel like he has always had a plan for everything. Doesn't mean all those plans always work, but I feel like he's always had it. There, there is a plan. There is a plan for strength and conditioning. There is a plan for what they want to do on offense. There is a plan for how they wanted to do COVID protocols. There is a right. It, it, it doesn't seem like they leave a whole lot to chance. And he's sticking with that plan. And you know what? He's the one that's getting paid the the five, six million dollars to make that decision. Let him. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll all know it. We'll all see the results. But I don't think we're going to be sitting there in week six or week seven being like, if they had only gotten rid of Verduzco. Right. It's not even going to be a topic. No. No one's even going to care. This is just just us nitpicking, uh right? Like trying to sort of fix it. But we we, we don't know. You know what? You know what? The reality of this, too, is I think the frustration is, okay. Year one was year one. You had momentum at the end, end of year one. Year two, you had expectations, and you weren't used to that, and you, you didn't finish some games, okay? So you didn't have the, the, the penalty issues, per se, in year two that you had in year three, but you still had special teams issue, and that that's... That's 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 the giant zit here, okay? Because special teams has been an issue, and it's gotten worse. Your offensive scoring output is has gone from thirty a game to to twenty three a game, and and I honestly believe this. He he's he's had to 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 recruit. He's had to on the on the fly kind of learn at this level where you're across the sideline. You've got really talented staffs and, and really entrenched head coaches, okay? And it's been an adjustment period while you're you're transitioning. And by the way, you're supposed to make this thing happen. Now, as boss, and I think some of the realist fan base realizes that it's going to be, you know, a four- or five-year process, and there, there's that mantra, judge him after year five, not after year three. And I get a little bit of that. You just want to see a little bit cleaner football. And I honestly believe – that when you look at previous transitions, Mark, you've had more in the old pantry, okay? And these are your guys, your job's to coach them up. They need to look like they know how to play football and be better and not make mistakes. But I honestly think he's had to really go to work, and, and you're seeing it on the, on the offensive and defensive lines, go to work with that infusion of talent, right? Now, you're waiting on some of the skill spots to, to get better, Find a running back or two, settle on one, get the receivers going, not lose your best players on on offense the, the last two off seasons. I mean, all of those things are are for sure talking points and objections. But I just don't think we 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 know how deep the water was. And and I know it's year four and shut up about it and but I think that's that's part of this reality as well, honestly. Because you had you had better starting points, 
previous transitions. And if you're if you're further behind the eight ball when you when you start out, it 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 may take you a little little while to win the game. Uh, the game of pool we're talking. I, I think that's part of this as well. Yeah, and the offense. I think the the one thing that characterized that really good season, and it's it's, it's weird that you have to point back to it, but it's what we have to go on. The 2017 UCF season, look, the, the thing that characterized that thing is that you did not have a star. You did not have a go-to on offense. The The wealth was spread, right? You, I mean, seriously, you have Killens, for, for as much as maybe we knew about him from afar, you go look at his numbers, they weren't huge, right? He was, he was just one of multiple pieces that they distributed the ball to. And part of that is having a quarterback that is able to do that. Duh, we know that. Um, but the other part is having a lot of capable wide receivers that get open and it's having multiple options at running back and it's having multiple options at tight end that they had guys that got drafted, you know, and that are still playing in the league receiver and tight end. How many guys um, has Frost been a part of that have been drafted or in the yeah. league? Well, but, but I'm saying that team did, right? but, those, right. but their numbers, those, those weren't thousand yard guys. They, they just weren't, they didn't, they didn't put up giant numbers because by virtue of the offense, they spread it really well, right? And so that's what that's your charge. That's what you have to figure out. How do you do that? How, how do you get more receivers involved, more running backs involved, more tight ends involved? I think we saw that a little bit with tight end this year. Um, but that's ultimately where they have to get. And the silver lining, although it's not good that he left at all, <laughs> uh, but with Wandale leaving, he it did feel like a crutch. Right. It, it just, you know, like, it, oh, God, our, oh, Mills can't go in. Uh, let's skip over everybody else on the depth chart and put Wandale in a running back. So he but, gets his touches. But Cranach, what's and here's here's the, the, the question. What's what's happening? Where the best option is your your five, nine hundred and eighty pound guy. Is he really good? Yeah. Is he dynamic? Yes. Did he look good running out of the pistol? Hell yeah. Can he take poundings like that consecutive weeks? No. Uh-uh. And and he shouldn't have to because he's a slot guy, right? Yeah. He, he should have been one of multiple options, not option one, two, and three. Right. <laughs> and, and that's what he became. So where is the development? And I get get it. It's been a funky COVID year, How, you know, with, with practice and reps and where, where – why couldn't you turn to somebody else to run the football if knee if Mills's knee was dinged? Yeah, because you, you got what you, you, you got, yeah. and, and, and I'm just asking. And yeah. it's it, if they're not ready, or they weren't able to perform at a level enough to give you success, then I agree. Don't put dudes in and go with Wandale. But man, I just I look at teams around the country, and and some places aren't. Is 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 bad off when they when they turn to somebody that's younger in a room no. to well, catch look, a look. football or run a football? And look, hey, it's year four; they have to be ready now. Just period. You know, you got grace year one and year two. Year three was strange to put it mildly mm-hmm. for everybody, not just for Nebraska, but it was just it was a very you didn't even know if they were going to play. I mean, you know right. what I mean? It's right. just a weird season weird stressful season where people have to live in a bubble and like you know it's it's just a tough year you no know, the fun and was think, take, think, the fun was taken out of it i mean it just i mean it just yeah. was it wasn't normal and 
Nobody you know, in the stands. Are, are you better? Are you better off going into year four because you took your lumps in year three with this mess? Well, that's what you're got. That's where you're going with, and he's he's doubling down on that. He's saying, "Look, we're sticking with the same guys. We're sticking with the same same staff. We know what we're doing. We just got to have more guys ready to actually contribute and ready to actually be difference makers. And if that means." Verduzco is the one that's helping them do that, and Austin's the one that's helping them do that, and Lubick and Shenander, and just insert coach here. We don't know. We're not in practice. Nobody knows. You, you can't, you, right? Uh, we, everybody sees the results on the field, but you don't know what's behind all that. You don't know attitudes. You don't know work habits. You don't, none of that stuff. We just don't know. So if, look, give him a chance to do it. Th- that was part of the deal with bringing him in in the first place. Give this guy carte blanche. Frost, please come save this program. That, that, was, his, that was his calling. That, that was what everybody expected of him. Like, please come in, stabilize, and save this program. Do whatever you got to do. But do it in we're, three years, damn it. Yeah, yeah, we're backing up the Brinks truck. You know, we're going to pay you top dollar. Please do it. Now, it's year four. It is time to earn it. And, and he knows it. Bill Moose knows it. You know, I, Bill Moose was playing it uh, close to the vest this this whole time. Remember all the controversy about him saying, "Well, I just hope we get to a bowl game." Well, two Everybody's years like, ago, oh, come on. he's got a pretty good gauge on yeah. on what what's really going on down there with expectations and reality. But and, they look—they pulled no punches. Both both he and Frost are on record because they understand it. They get it. They know it's time to put up. Mm-hmm. It's time to put up, man. <laughs> you know, they, they both admitted it. They're just like, look, it's time to start contending for our part of the division. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the is. expectation. We uh, we have a rewind coming up. Uh, good old Mike Eckler. Special teams guru down at North Texas. He's normal. He's awesome. Uh, he is. We get some yeah. some uh, Will He's Compton great. and Dominican Sue and Levante David stories uh, shortly. We need... A couple more minutes, Damon. Is that all right on on Luke McCaffrey here? So the other part of this sit down yesterday, if if for whatever reason, and I'm not saying there's going to be, and I don't think there will be now that Frost has come out and said, I'm not changing my staff. Well, now if somebody on staff leaves, it's on that person on the staff that didn't want to be a part of this. And, and the way he talked about Luke McCaffrey – with uh, his role and, you know, be patient, compete for the job. We think you can be quarterback. We want you to be a quarterback. You know, you'd be crazy to leave. Uh, now it's now it's really on Luke to come in, keep fighting, compete, and, and you know, make, make some hay with it. Uh, or, or are you able to, to adjust and – realize that maybe a slash role is in your best interest to contribute and compete if, if you're not a quarterback. What I don't know, and it's interesting, there's only one of Luke McCaffrey, Cranach, so when it comes to, to grooming and reps and getting better at quarterback, you need him practicing at quarterback, and you can't split the guy and clone him to have him more, not that he couldn't, I mean, because he's shown the ability to go catch the football and line up at wide receiver, but it, it's just interesting with, with give me a plan for Luke McCaffrey and stick with that plan. Mm-hmm. Right. I, 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 need, I need better planning. 
and your 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 contingency was Wandale with with twenty touches a game. What's your contingency now that Wandale's gone and Luke wants to be quarterback, but may or may not win the job? Give me a plan yeah. for your guy for your stars because from an optic standpoint, it looks bad if you have Wandale gone, if you have JD leave, and you know uh, there's enough public. I'll call it pleading for Luke to stick one more year. Yeah, it's that that one's going to be interesting to watch. And there's conflicting reports out there mm-hmm. as to whether or not Luke is is already gone, and it's just a matter of semantics at this point. Um, and then you heard Frost, you know, talking very deeply about how much he wants to keep Luke at quarterback mm-hmm. and all that stuff, which may or may not have been just a plea to get him to stay. <laughs> we don't really know. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, listen, I'm not. Yeah. I know. I know Luke's numbers were his numbers. He he did some nice things, and then there were some moments where. Uh, a bad decision got worse with the turnover, right? So, and that's just that's just part of it. I mean, he's not the only one taking, you know, not taking care of the football on that team. So it it would be interesting though if you lose at, at that point. The, I think the bigger hit more than it is necessarily the production is is it's a PR thing, right? Where you know, Wandale's your most recognizable Husker, probably you know, outside of Adrian, mm-hmm. and he leaves. That's not good. And then if McCaffrey does, I mean, just the name alone, sure, isn't isn't good. It, you know, there's there's no and there's no way to spin that. No, like, it's just yeah. not good. But at the same time, it, you know, it, that's college. That's transfer. Yeah, college college football is a, a tire yeah. fire right now with with the portal. It, it pretty much, I mean, yeah, go, Jalen Hurts and yeah, uh, Josh uh, Fields, Fields and yeah, I mean, people right? people have left. Yeah. High profile it, guys have left. Other programs. It's just what, yeah. Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, so uh, right. Yeah, you just go on and on. Like they, the quarterbacks leave. They just do. You just don't want the guy to leave and 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 be Joe Burrow <laughs> or or Fields. You should right. have brought in Burrow, but that's a whole nother. Yeah, thing. I know. Whole nother time. Well, enjoy some Mike Eckler story time. Uh, thoughts on special teams. Rewind is next. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. <laughs> With Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big Nebraska weekend. A lot of former Huskers uh, getting ready to go in Green Bay with Tampa. Of course, Levante David and Dominican Sue and Khalil Davis, a man that was part of Nebraska football and has done a great job as special teams coordinator with North Texas and different stops around the college football world. Mike Eckler back with us. Coach, it's been a long time. How you doing? Well, I've I've been touring the country, so I've been doing great. Hey, <laughs> you say a few stops. That's that's pretty generous. Hey, hey, the stops are are impressive, though. I mean, the years in Nebraska were were big time. Indiana, SC, Georgia, Carolina, down in Lawrence with uh, with Coach Miles, and now back in North Texas. And Coach, I want to start off with with the topic of special teams. It's it's been a discussion point for for Nebraska as they're looking uh, for for help in special teams. And I'm interested in your thoughts with when you kind of uh, got bit by that special teams bug, so to speak, because it, it's something that's been a focus with all of your, your stops and, and your units have been so, so good. When did that kind of get, in, get ingrained to you, just your love for special teams? 
Well, I've always loved it. I mean, it started when I played at Kansas State. I mean, that was my role, special, special teams captain with Coach Snyder. Um, but, you know, um, it really it really started um, in, as, as a coach when I was out at Southern Cal. John Baxter, I think, is one of the best to ever coach special teams, was our special teams coordinator. And, shoot, we won 10 games. We were 10-3, and three, and, um, and our coaching staff got fired. Mm-hmm. And Bax could not find a job. And I'm sitting there going, this is the best special teams coordinator in ball. Guy can't find a damn job. And so then I went to Georgia as linebackers coach and, and defensive special teams coordinator and took all the things that I've learned, you know, from different coaches over the years. And, and uh, I'll never forget, I stood in a meeting, first team meeting at Georgia and stood up and, and they had, had the worst punt return uh, in the country the year before. And I said, hey, guys, I said, here's the deal. I said, we're going to lead the country in punt returns. And I said, if you want to be an All-American punt returner, stand up. Two guys stood up, a guy by the name of Todd Gurley and uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie was a, you know, some five foot seven, hundred and fifty-five pound true freshman. Well, he, he led the country and had five returns for touchdowns in two years, and and just did a, did an awesome job. And we kind of we flipped flipped that around. And um, so anyway, I think it's a lot of it is just just when I went there just really got really got heavily involved in in running the units and then after that first year went 10 and 3 second year went 10 and 3 and coach rick gets fired Mm. and so we're all looking for a job again had a chance to stay in the sec as a special teams coordinator or and and linebackers and i'm sitting there the reason i didn't do it because of of, of john baxter Mm -hmm. wait a minute this guy, the best in the business out there, he couldn't find a job. You know, why would I want to go down that road? Mm-hmm. So I, I took a defensive coordinator job at North Texas, which, which was a great, a great situation. Well, fast forward, they added the 10th coach a, few, a couple years later. And that's when I thought, all right, now people are focusing and, and hiring special teams coordinators. And that's when I made the move. Mm-hmm. Mike Eckler's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, special teams coordinator, linebacker coach, North Texas, and uh, former assistant at Nebraska. I'll, I'll get into your thoughts here on, on some of the Huskers playing Sunday in a moment. Is it hard, as you've been coaching now for, at the, the D1 level and Power 5 and, and G5 level for, for 13, 14 years, and, and your, your history speaks for itself with some really awesome Kansas State teams, is it harder to get buy-in from kids now to want to be great on special teams? What's your, what's your selling point? I know you just talked about that that meeting room with Todd Gurley, all right. But when it comes to to getting buy-in from special teams, is it difficult? No, shoot, that's it, it's it. Kids have not changed. Everybody wants to say, "Oh man, kids have changed." No, they haven't. Their influences have changed in mm-hmm. social media and things like that. But kids are kids. They want to be taught. They want to be developed and they want to be challenged and once you once you get kids to understand they have about zero percent chance of going to the next level if they're not great special teams players if they have when the scout looks at them they're looking at a receiver and saying all right what is his special teams value Mm. is he a returner is he a gunner is he you know 
that's one of the first questions scouts ask. What special teams has this guy played on his freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and so forth? And so it's easy. I mean, that part that part's easy. Coach, uh, some uh, linebackers that have done really well at the next level that you uh, brought to Lincoln, Levante David and Dominican Sue. Of course, uh, Sue uh, down at the defensive line, Will Compton, uh, really good career in the NFL. Take me through uh, your, your time with Levante, and he's already in his ninth year at Tampa, and I've had a enough times that, that I've had a chance to speak with Levante in college and, and in the pros that just a good dude, super humble, amazing ball player. But tell me his story about how, how you guys got him to Lincoln and just what you've been able to, to smile about after Nebraska, his, his job and the work he does in the NFL. Well, he obviously came out of Fort Scott Junior College. Yeah. Went down there, um, watched him play in the – junior college national championship game against Cam Newton in Boleyn College. Um, I think he had about 18 tackles in that game. And you obviously love what you see there. But I wasn't sure, totally sure, until he came on his official visit. And when he came on his official visit, we sat in my office and went through different coverage concepts and, and different schemes. And the guy was so sharp. I mean, he knew everything. And I just remember walking, meeting with him for about an hour, and I took him, walked right into Bo's office and said, hey, Bo, watch this. And I quizzed him right in front of in, in front of Bo, and Bo was like, yeah, that's our guy. That's impressive. With, with, with Levante, how were you able to connect with him? You connected with football, obviously, but uh, Levante is a guy that, that came from a, an amazing high school in, in Miami, ended up at Fort Scott, and then, you know, uh, when it comes to, to Nebraska, how much competition was there for him? There was – he had two offers. He had Nebraska, and he had South Florida. Okay. So so two, so and, two offers, and, and obviously Nebraska's name, and he connected, he connected with you guys too, obviously. Yeah, and, and you know, his at the time, his girlfriend was going to South Florida. I mean, they were working it pretty hard, and Jim mm-hmm. Levitt was the head coach, and and he had gotten Jason Pierre-Paul and some other great ones, and uh, you know, so I mean, it was it was the whether or not he wanted to go home, go back to Florida, mm-hmm. or he wanted to play in the Big Twelve, and ultimately he chose on chose to play in the Big 12, which we're very thankful for. And Mike Eckler's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, with Levante, um, your ability to, to to work with him, What uh, with Levante, what, what stands out as you think about his time in Nebraska? Obviously, the, the stats are there, but just his, from a personality, from an impact, what, what, what did he leave at Nebraska, in your opinion? I've never seen a guy more focused than Levante David, ever. And when he was at practice, he used to stand. I used to try turn around, and, and I'd always bump into him if he wasn't in, because he's like legitimately standing on my dog on heels. <laughs> and and he was so focused, so into it, wanted to know everything inside out, front and back, and just I mean, I, that's the thing that to this day that I'll always appreciate about Levante is his attitude, his competitiveness, and his focus. What's your takeaway with with his NFL career? I mean, we were talking yesterday with with uh, 
you know, the Hall of Fame uh, and Levante and, and Indomitian Sue. Uh, I know you're close with both. That said, I think their numbers speak for themselves. I mean, Sue's gotten enough Pro Bowls and, and accolades. Levante is is arguably the best linebacker in the NFL, in my humble opinion, but gets overshadowed so many times when it comes to, to the accolades and the Pro Bowls and the All-Pros. It's not that he doesn't have those, but he doesn't have as many as he should, in my opinion. No, you're, you're exactly right. But the thing about Levante is he is not a self-promoter. You're right. He's not a flamboyant guy. The guy just goes out about his business and makes 12, 14 tackles and two sacks a game. And, you know, he's, that's, that's probably what's hurt him more than anything. It's just, he's so humble. Few more minutes here, Hale Varsity Radio. Mike Eckler with us, former Nebraska assistant, helped to get uh, Levante David Will Compton to uh, Nebraska. We're talking some Huskers in the NFL with Coach Eckler, and uh, we'll turn our attention here to Will Compton and bussing with the boys. Guy that is pretty good about promotion, crazy personality in a good way. Will Compton podcast and his videos. Yeah, busting with the boys. Busting with the boys. Yeah, I mean, Will's Will's got it going off the field, and he's doing a great job on the field. Tell me the story of of getting Will to Lincoln. Oh gosh, that's too long. <laughs> You're busy. You're thing. busy. <laughs> when we first when we first when we first came in, uh, the first person that Bo went to see was Will Compton, okay. and he was committed to Coach Callahan. So Bo goes to Bonterre, Missouri with Coach Osborne. And okay. they go see Coach Osborne first day. And Bo calls me up and he goes, Hey, Eck. He goes, I don't care if we sign one guy in this class. He goes, We're building our defense around Will Compton. I love that dude. And I'm going, yeah, That's easy. You know, I mean, the guy's already been committed. So the next week I go see him. And I go there and have a great time, great visit with him in the, in the school. And, we're walking out of school, and Will goes, "Hey, uh, Coach Eck, man, I really appreciate you coming." He goes, "I just got to, I got to be honest with you. I'm not coming to Nebraska. I just haven't decommitted yet. Mm. That I went to the um, Southern Cal game, and and it is, that was ridiculous, man." He goes, I, "I'm not coming. I'm not playing there. So I'm either going to Missouri or or going with Coach Zook over at Illinois." And and I get in my car. <laughs> and my phone rings and it was Bo and he goes hey how'd it go and I, I thought to myself hmm you know, we all know Bo he's kind of reserved you know so uh-huh. doesn't 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 get angry very easily no not at all I said no I said hey Bo it went great <laughs> <laughs> So you had to you had to re, you had to re-recruit him all over again. How'd you, how'd you get Will oh, back? Yeah. How'd you get Will back? Oh yeah, I think it was a tattoo. I think that pushed him over the edge. Well, <laughs> folks, folks may have heard of it. So did you fake? T- I I know the story, but my audience may or may not remember. What did you do? Is yeah. it your right or left bicep? Uh, it was our, my right bicep. Before we got, um, we we had one last chance on a Sunday. We went and flew the entire defensive staff over to Bonterre, Missouri. And before we left Lincoln, I went to a tattoo parlor and got a um, two-week temporary tattoo with skull and crossbones on it and Compton and Old English below it. And we're going. We were there for probably four hours at the house, and I invited his best friend over and his girlfriend. I mean, we had a a blast. Mm. And before we're leaving, I said, hey, Will, I I got a little something here to remind me for the rest of my life, every time I look in the mirror, 
if you don't come to the University of Nebraska, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And I pulled, I pulled up my shirt, and his dad is just a classic. His dad gets out of his lazy, he goes, boy, that's a tattoo I'm getting right there. <laughs> and the rest, uh, as they say, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, so two days later, I'm walking through the airport in Omaha, and my phone rings, and it's Will. And it was the day he was going to make his decision. Hmm. And he goes, man, he goes, Coach Eck, man, I freaking, you know, I love you, man. And um, you, you, I appreciate you recruiting me. And, you know, you guys just getting here and, and busting it hard. And he goes, but, you know, I just, I want to let you know I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Illinois. And, and I'm standing there. And I said, I said, well, um, man, well, that, that just, that kills me, man. He goes, hey. He goes, I'm messing with you. I'm coming to Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's, so, yeah. what, was, what was his I reaction? Just off the phone with Bo. Bo told me to mess with you. <laughs> what well, that, yeah, that that's shocking, right? What was what was the re- so? Did he? How did he take the the tattoo? Did he know it was temporary at the time or no? No, I didn't tell him that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike yeah, Eckler. This day, though, I mean, I, I mean, that guy, he is a classic. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. I love that guy. And Coach Eckler's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll, we'll let you get out, but I, uh, a thought about Sue. Uh, do you have a Sue recollection uh, other than yeah. – um, Sue uh, has, like, freakish superhuman strength. And one of one of the funniest things, you know, and people remember that Texas game, yeah. Big 12 championship game, where he, like, you tell a defensive lineman you can't serve two guys. Just put your hands on one guy, right? Because so, some guys will try and put their hands on two guys. And Sue, Sue can serve two guys. He legitimately picked up their left guard and their left tackle, one in each hand, and had them off the ground. So that's, Sue um, defies that, that one rule. He is just, he's got superhuman strength. And I remember we were, he was coming off, he sacked somebody one time, and comes off the um, comes off the field and I had a tendency I have a tendency to get a little excited so I hit him really hard right in the chest and he stopped and he goes he goes Eck don't ever do that again I said got you Sue <laughs> that's funny he, he gets he goes to like a dark place though man I mean you want to talk about a guy that can flip the anger switch on I mean when he when he when he wants to he and even at his age now and I'm not calling him old so I don't want him to throw me across the room if I ever bump into him but he can still ball and he can still just get that stare right I mean the the look you yeah. see I mean he can he can really channel that well but the thing about Sue is he's a pro yeah and and the reason he can still do this ten years later is because he is a doggone pro. He works out so hard. He trains so hard. He doesn't, uh, he, and he just has, he's always just wanted to be the best. Mm. And when you, you, when you have super talent like he does, and then you have that desire and that drive and that work ethic, that's why you're a Hall of Famer. Mm. Mike Eckler's with us, uh, former assistant in Nebraska, special teams coordinator at uh, North Texas. Coach, it's been too long to talk. We'll have to do this again. Thanks for a few minutes talking about uh, some Nebraskans in the NFL. Appreciate your time, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me, and have a great day. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back into an hour two, it's Hale Varsity Weekend Edition, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Damon Barr, we welcome in the managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And uh, his book, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. Follow Brandon Vogel on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, what's shaking? How's your Saturday? Oh, so far, so good. Do you do a, a big breakfast, a light breakfast, or are you just contemplating <laughs> what to grill or smoke later? Smoke later. Uh, yeah, just uh, a coffee breakfast so far. I, I don't. I, I've never done intermittent fasting, but when I really like take a step back and think about it, I usually do because I'm bad about eating breakfast. Just by accident, yeah. But speaking of breakfast in Nebraska and Ireland, uh, have you seen what a full Irish breakfast oh, is? No. Are you familiar with that? <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I went to I went to Ireland for about a week, uh, well, almost twenty years ago now. Um, and and had had more than one of those during my time there, so I'm I'm familiar. It sustains you for like the entire day. You pretty much just need that, and then maybe some dinner later, and that's kind of it. It's like Chris, yeah, have you if, seen that? If you're out there, tr- oh sorry, go ahead. No, I no, you, I, you I saw I saw something you posted, but both of you, please enlighten me on on how I can become a a, a double D cup. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a little it's, bit of everything. You got what sausage, soda bread, eggs, um, baked beans. Is there a tomato? Baked beans. Yeah. Yes. Usually it's a charred like, tomato. Uh, it's like a half riddle. a tomato that's charred. You got baked beans. You got uh, it's called pudding, but it's actually like blood sausage. Ooh. Right. And then a rasher of yep. bacon. A rasher. How much is a rasher of bacon? Well, it's it's just a different cut, so it's a more like circular ah, kind of bacon. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Speaking of breakfast, sorry, I'm hungry. It, you know, I'm trying to think about if Nebraska is going to go to Ireland. I wonder when we'll find that out. By the way, any word on that? Like, what is? is I mean, that's all like vaccine based, right? Like, but they have to call off the dogs at some point. Like, I would think what March would be the latest you can make that call. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. It seems like uh, everybody kind of expects that game to be moved, but no official word. But you're right. Like, you know, that was a that was a big, big, a big deal. And for people that are already have tickets booked or were thinking about it, uh, my parents were in that spot. They were going to try and go to that game, and you've just kind of been been waiting for months and months to to find out. Well, would you be able to go? And now we're at a point where is the game still on? So. I would think here in the next month or two, I think you're right. That's probably an accurate timeline for that. Cranach, uh, are you going to be able to to deal with the fact there may be no Hale Varsity Roadshow in Ireland? No, I'm not. No. In fact, I think we should just do it anyways, even if the game isn't there. How about I get uh, you a spot on the, uh, the Uncle Andy uh, RV headed down to Norman? Well, that's possible. Is, is, it, is it amphibious? Uh, we don't know. Depends on <laughs> if we find water or not. 
I mean, if it's amphibious, we can just take it to Dublin. It's just, you know, it's a thought. Uh, Let's go to football here. Uh, But thank you for the Irish breakfast uh, taunting. Vogue's uh, special teams, uh, the analyst role will be uh, uh, another swing at that plate, you know, at the plate for for going that route. What's your reaction to to not going full-time special teams uh, and and saying, look, we're going to handle this uh, again but better with an analyst. Yeah, um, well, you, you have to have an opening to go full-time special teams, and, and Frost revealed that that's not the way they're going to go. So I guess that's the big thing. I think, I think you can handle this uh, with an analyst's role, uh, but it really, like, this, this is a, a top-down, detail-driven thing. Um, an analyst can come in and help you. Like, I, I don't think an analyst comes in and, and quote-unquote, fixes your woes. Like, special teams is, is, is a lot about caring and doing the dirty work. Um, it's a lot about depth. And, and Nebraska kind of hasn't been, you know, I hate to use this term all the time, um, but hasn't been as buttoned up as it needs to be. And, and special teams is the first place you see that. Um, just not having punts go where you want them to go. I mean, so much of, of special teams, not so much, but a good portion of special teams has just been removed with, with the kickoff rules. Um, and you can try and, you know, be really aggressive there. And I think Nebraska did, particularly in kickoff. Uh, and it worked sometimes. It didn't work sometimes. They gave up a lot of field position by, by hanging those punts uh, high and short. Uh, to, to avoid some pretty good kick returners. So there's just there's a lot there. I think you can do it with, with an analyst role, but really it puts the impetus on, on the full-time coaches that are there to, to really just dial that part of the game in. Brandon, what did you make of, you know, Frost went on record with the, the two major daily papers in Nebraska. Um, I think it was yesterday. And, you know, more or less in there, he said, Something to the, I'm paraphrasing, but said something to the effect of, yeah, you know, it's, it's been, he's talking about play calling duties and how Sonny Lubick, or not Sonny Lubick, how Matt Lubick helped with um, some play calling in the second half of the year. And Frost more or less just admits straight away, hey, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, to manage the entire team when I'm lost in the minutia of the play sheet and I'm, you know, so, so focused on the next play call, et cetera. I mean, what did you make of, I guess, that overall realization um, in year three? <laughs> and uh, what do you think that portends for Nebraska here in the in the coming year? Um, well, the first part of it, in terms of the realization, yeah, 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 yeah. I think everyone in retrospect hopes that would have happened sooner. Um, I I think it's a reflection both of really just how early in his head coaching career Frost is. I I also think it's a little bit of, you know, he was kind of the the up-and-coming offensive mind for a long time. Um, Really, you know, being on those Oregon staff, she got to absorb a lot. But then when he took over offensive coordinator duties and they didn't miss a beat, post Chip Kelly, um, burnished his, his resume quite a bit. And then obviously at, at UCF, you saw a, immediate results. So I think it, it could be tough to be like, hey, this is what I do, and, and I think I'm really good at it, and there's a lot of evidence that I'm pretty good at it. It could be hard to, to give that up. So, you know, 
if, if that's slowly shifting in, in year four, that, that's probably a good development overall. In terms of the impact for 2021, uh, we'll see, I guess. I don't know. This, this kind of struck me as a thing that, that comes out in these kind of off-season interviews and then becomes a touch point and gets talked through for the entire off-season. And the real impact, like, I'd be surprised if it's that much. I mean, if, if this was kind of the loose setup over the last four games, like, the, the game people hated from a play-calling perspective more than any was Minnesota, which was in those last four games. So, so what do you do? I don't know. It felt like more of a talking point than a real actual change. But who knows until we get to see them back on the field. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Frost going to stand pat with his 10-man full-time assistance. We, we touched on that uh, decision when it comes to the special team side, but what, what's your reaction? I mean, and, and that's, I mean, the rumor bill's been going full bore here for weeks, right? And this guy's leaving, this guy's getting shifted, well... No, none of that's happening. Uh, the full-time crew's sticking around. And uh, what, what does that say to you uh, with, with Frost and, and his commitment to his guys? Uh, the commitment is, is a big piece of it. But it also indicates to me that, and I know people are, are worn out with it, but when Frost or some of the other coaches get up there and say, hey, it's close, it's close, like, this is actions that back that up. Like if, if they weren't, if they, if they felt like there was an off, a coach offense or defense that, that kind of wasn't pulling their weight, wasn't getting it done, then yeah, you gotta, you gotta make a, you gotta make a change or you end up like sometimes this happens because you're, you're Tom Herbin going into this season and the, the boosters are getting angry and you can feel the, the heat on the back of your neck and you, you switch out coordinators, which Texas did, and, and it's kind of your last card to play. Like, either it works and everybody gets happier, or it doesn't work and you're done. So, to stick with it, um, well, it goes a little bit, I guess, contrary to, to a lot of what's out there uh, with, with the fan base. But, but so many of these things, like Wandale transferring, um, any of this stuff, like, it's hard to know. What, what share the assistants take in that? Like, you just, it, that stuff's all behind closed doors. So, for me, mostly, it was a, hey, we, we bet pretty big on ourselves, and we have a lot at stake here, and we're doubling down. One thing that Coach Frost said, uh, this is a quote, when asked about what he has learned as, uh, you know, just by being a head coach in Nebraska, what has he learned? Kind of a broad-based question. And part of that response was, quote, Maybe what surprised me was the depth and amount of things that have to be dealt with here compared to the other place. A lot in there. What, what are your, what are your, what's your reaction to that? Yeah. I, I mean, makes sense, right? Uh, that's, that's the double-edged sword of, of Nebraska is the kind of undying intense passion for, for the program. Um, there are, there are a lot of programs where, you know, a special teams analyst role is a two-week talking point, but it is here, and for good reason. It's because people know that guy and they care, and they they care about who that guy is going to be in the future uh, when you when you have an opening. So it it it, it said a lot to me because Frost 
knew what Nebraska was. And, you know, you can think back to before he took that job, the, the report from, from a local outlet in Florida about just how much it was weighing on him because he knew uh, just what it would take. And for him to show up and be like, oh, it's even more. It's even more than I remembered. I think <laughs> I felt like that was a pretty honest appraisal of just how heavy things can get at times. Um, and and you've got to come up with a strategy to deal with it. Vogues, uh, let's touch on on the Wandale talking points in, in the Zoom sit-down. And as we look at, at the the different body types Nebraska's recruited at wide receiver, and, and I guess they were kind of focusing on the positive with who they've got in the program versus, you know, their top offensive guy they lost. And did you read it as, look, we think the offense – can can truly more move towards what it what we what we want it to be, or does it sound foolish to to try and put a positive spin on losing your best player? Uh, I, I thought both of those things. Um, I think there is a good good amount of truth in in what he said there, um, but you probably don't you probably don't need to say it. I guess so. So, and this is this is the spot where coaches kind of get stuck all the time. Um, it's like. Do you really want to know uh, what I think about it? You know, I, I, I wrote about this for, for the January issue, just a short piece at the front of the magazine, but Wondell Robinson had 240 countable plays over the past two seasons, which is receptions, rushes, and then targets as well, so incompletions that were thrown to him. That's more than anybody in the country, any wide receiver in the country. Uh, there were only seven of those guys uh, wow. in, in terms of – the predicted points added that he was producing his was the lowest. And I don't think that's Wandale's fault. Like he's a good player. As you said, I think it's accurate. He was Nebraska's best offensive player. Um, and you just kind of, I went through and sorted those down. So like, okay, let's look at all receivers who had a hundred touches over the last two years in Wandale's in the bottom 10%. And again, I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think it, at all, I'm saying the opposite. Actually, it's kind of showed just how reliant Nebraska was on him and how little it was actually producing because he was a guy that clearly wanted to get the ball to, but without those other options, like the difference in his, his predicted points added with Spielman in, in 2019, when Nebraska had another option versus this year, when it didn't was, was significant. It was like a, a almost a half point less. So when he said, when Frost says, yeah, I think this kind of forces us to get, to get closer to what we want it to be go back and look at those UCF numbers. Like there were guys that put up big numbers, uh, but not as big as you think because like six, seven guys had those numbers. So I think that's where he was trying to get to with that. Okay. Let me, I just want to make sure I heard this right. <laughs> so when looking at it, Wandale was essentially targeted or given the ball in some fashion more than anybody in the nation. Yes. Devonte Smith was second uh, among wide receivers. Wow. That, that is telling. I mean, that, that does tell you that he's been, uh, yeah, maybe you were a little too, well, obviously you were more reliant on him than any other program was on any one player anywhere in the country. That's, that's incredible. And you're right. It didn't translate to points. (laughs) He didn't, you know, for, for all of his talents and everything. And this is less of a knock on him and probably more just overall philosophy on offense and play design. And, you know, you can go on and on, but for it to only yield a handful of touchdowns, 
I mean, that's equally shocking. That's unbelievable. Well, it's, it's, it, 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 it says it, a lot it, about it, leaving it, it, a program that's getting you that many touches. My God. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, you know, and it's, it, it's a little bit of, of, of chicken or the egg. Like, why is it? Why was it that low? And I think you know, you can look at how he was used. Um, is is part of it. Um, but also, <laughs> if you're looking at this from Robinson's perspective, because it was so low, it's like. And I mean, and he said in that ESPN interview, he's like, yeah, I love the amount of touches I was getting. It was just kind of, it was the kind of touches that, that weren't kind of producing what I wanted. And, and to Robinson's credit, he took all those touches. Like he, he did it. It may not have been his ideal way to do it, but he, he did it. Um, and that's probably what I'll always remember about his time in Nebraska. You know, it's, it's funny that this, you bring this up because we were talking about this a little bit in the first hour where, you know, I thought one of the hallmarks of the 2017 UCF offense, which is just, you know, that's the one you have to hold up when you're trying to look forward at, at the at what Nebraska's offense can be. But I think one thing that marked that offense was the lack of stars, the lack of a Wandale. There were a couple names that we knew. There's a couple guys that are in the NFL, but none of those were a thousand yard guys. Right. Like they've legitimately spread the wealth. And isn't that ultimately what has to happen if Nebraska is going to move forward? Yeah, I, I, I think so. For this offense to look like it uh, can look when, when things are operating efficiently, you know, it's, it's got to be any one of these guys can hurt you. And, you know, the, this 2020 season was, was clear that Nebraska had really maybe two and a half guys it felt could, could consistently hurt you. Adrian Martinez, uh, mostly as a runner, uh, although his, he, he had his best passing season yet as a Husker, which, which kind of is easy to miss. Um, Wandale Robinson, and then maybe, maybe Mills, occasionally Mills, um, as, as kind of your big classic downtown or downhill Big Ten, Big Ten back. You know, looking at UCS stats quick here, that 2017 team had a rusher over 700 yards, a rusher over basically at 500 and then 600 for Milton. I'm guessing receiving's probably the same. Okay, they, Traquan Smith was over a thousand. He, but yeah, then they he had was, four other guys up and realized that over, yep. th- over 300. Um, so, like, that's where they want to get to. Like, you're, when your third or fourth receiver is over 300 yards, and I'm sure there's a tight end in there too. But um, that's what what this offense needs to be. Yeah, they had seven guys. Uh, let's see, actually more than seven guys. It looks like eight. Eight uh, guys that had double-digit receptions, and they had looks like ten that were over a hundred yards uh, total for the year. So yeah, they spread it around. Meanwhile, Nebraska has just been obviously more so than any program in America. Wandale, 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 Wandale. It's yeah. you know maybe it will force some things. Do you think it actually will? Though, yeah. Right. Do you think it will, or do you think Nebraska looks for a new crutch? Um. There's there's kind of no no ready options on the roster that we know of so far. Um, I guess maybe you know, it's it's hard to say, but based on his FCS production, Ture might be might be that option. But you know, you're trying to get to a point where in, in the old NCAA football game where you've recruited really well for four years and you're just like you're playing video game football, like you call the play, see which one's open, and. and and, and go there. Like, and, and that's how you make a defense consistently wrong rather than it's third and five. Uh, 
you know where the ball's going because our best chance of picking this up is, sits over there with the guy in the number one jersey who you've been paying attention to all game. Can I just throw this stat in here real quick again? Or not again, but this is pretty interesting too. Out of out of the their, so their rushing statistics, you had Killens, you had McKenzie Milton at quarterback, you had Otis Anderson, Taj McGallan. Those were the primary ball carriers. On average, nobody averaged double digit carries. Nobody. Well, uh, that that's fine and all well and good when you've got that many dudes to get the ball to, and you yeah. can't bear down as a defense and stop Wandale or try and shut down JD or focus on the quarterback. But part of the criticism last year to, to go the other way with it, Vogues wants your take, Cranach wants your take, was the lack of commitment. Because how many times did people bitch and moan about Mills not touching the football enough? I mean, if you have a guy to go to in the run game, I mean, you had a, a a nice career high total to go out the door against Rutgers. You had what was it, nineteen totes or something along those lines against Wisconsin. Those are the two running games you think of with with Mills and the downhill attack. But then you're lined up against Minnesota, right? And health probably played a factor into this. But the point of it is, is there was criticism and 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 an armchair prognostication about why. Why aren't you leaning on a guy that, that can do damage against a, a suspect defense in the run game? I mean, that's the other side of that. I'm all for spreading the wealth and stretching a defense and being not predictable or unpredictable. But if you got a if you got a guy to get lathered up and it, and it can work, I just as soon kind of lean on that guy. Yeah, we, we had a, a pretty lengthy staff debate about about Mills and his his usage uh, just in the Hale Varsity Slack channel about a week ago, um, and there's there's two sides of this argument, and I don't know which one is right, um, but I know which side I come down on, and so Mills averaged as many carries per game this year as, as Travis Etienne, so. There's been so much focus, I think, on the amount of carries That's he's got, crazy. the frequency. Wow, the frequency when the real culprit, of course, is still like productivity. So there are the games uh, like Rutgers, where 25 carries, seven seven point six yards a carry. Um, is that because he Mills got more? Or is it because it was Rutgers? You know, I guess I guess Northwestern he had 19 carries for for 60 yards and. You know, those games where his carries crept up above 15 um, are kind of hit or miss. There's some really, really good games in there. And the overall average, if you just limit it to, you know, 16 or more carries or whatever, looks pretty good. But it was really, I mean, that, that Wisconsin game was, was doing a lot of work there um, because sure, you got a handful sure. of games where he was under three and a half yards per carry. So, I think it, it all comes down to you like you get 12 carries, but two of them or three of them go for 18, 19, 20 yards. All of a sudden you're a lot happier than when everything's going for four yards and you're only getting 12. And let, what if I told you too? stats are interesting because Nebraska was the number two rushing offense in the big 10 this year, <laughs> but nobody's happy. That doesn't feel like it. But, right. And, and a lot of that, of course, off-schedule quarterback runs, you know, as you dive deeper into the numbers, but pretty incredible. I, I don't, I don't, I think if you polled many fans and asked them where did Nebraska finish rushing the ball, 
very few people would come up with second place. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like when things don't work, like everyone and, and I certainly include myself in this starts going out there trying to look for for potential solutions. And, and maybe running the ball is running the ball more often is one of those. Like I think where you really can get into something for Nebraska is dialing down the share of QB runs and finding more runs for running backs. And it might end up, you know you may end up running the ball the same number of times. It's just how you're doing it. And I think that can make a pretty big difference. Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogels, before we say goodbye, some uh, thoughts on Nebraska's uh, volleyball win last night? Yeah, you know, it looked like a, a, a first game, um, but a first game from a team that, you know, is going to be pretty good. Also, Indiana was, and Coach Cook mentioned this, a, a bit of a mystery just with the players they had coming back um, it's going to be real interesting you know over these weekends because now you're going to see okay we've seen what indiana has we see we've seen what they're going to try to do what does nebraska do on on night two so i'm, I'm really interested in this kind of back-to-back format for volleyball i think it's going to uh really put a highlight on coaching it's going to be pretty fun vogue's awesome stuff man fun to chat this morning thanks for a few minutes today yeah, thanks a lot, guys. All right, Brandon Vogel. Thanks, Brandon. I mean, look at and Vogue just Vogue's just nailed it when it comes to productivity. That that's that's just the that's the answer. You can do a lot of different things, but how well do you do it? And does it does it work? Does it yield what you what you want? You've had a lot of yards, Cranack. You've had some some big plays, but are are those yards and big plays turning into points? Right? <laughs> what are you well, doing in the that, red zone? Yeah, that is an amazing statistic that Brandon dug up, though, that Wandale literally was targeted or given the ball more than any player in America. Like, what? I, I had no idea that it was to that degree. Uh, just amazing. And, and yeah, it didn't yield touchdowns. <laughs> it just didn't. And, again, that's not a knock on Wandale. No, no, it's not I mean, like, he... oh, good riddance. It's just saying – Something's off with the fit there. It, so. Well, this program's is 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 frustrated as twelve and twenty is. Uh, there's a handful of games that you're not even in without him, without him, and there's a number of games you don't win without him. Yeah. Oh, so of course. he was, and for a guy to to just say, "Look, man, the the fit isn't isn't right," and and walk away from that. Based he might on, not be wrong. Well, no. I, <laughs> you know, again, it comes for down, all parties. It comes it down might be to good for everybody. It comes down to having a plan. So uh, we'll check in with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp's on the way. Weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We're going to throw a weekend edition, Saturday, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. Get the uh, podcast, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, with his Sharpie is your uh, your Chiefs uh, face paint on, brother. You ready for tomorrow? Uh, not yet, but it's uh, getting close. I'm actually, uh, my, I need my heart and my head to uh, align about picking the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, you're a little nervous about tomorrow with the way Buffalo's been playing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good team, uh, but it is Kansas City, and uh, you know, 
Uh, I never would I have thought, and I, that's been my NFL team since I was a little kid, that they would go to three straight or actually host three straight AFC championship games. So I'm sure about 540 tomorrow I'll be a, a nice and calm. <laughs> no kidding. How, uh, how nice and calm are Nebraska fans after Frosty's uh, Zoom meeting? Well, I'm, I mean, he, he, said the, he said things that kind of, you know, fans were intimating or hoping. Um, we're at this point, and this is fair. You know, year four has to be more. And you can say all the right things and go through spring ball and, and get good positive messages and, and guys say they're making progress. But this fan base is now a show me instead of tell me. And, you know, the comment about the play calling, you know, you, did you really know in the last four games that he was splitting play calling? I, I think there's a little insight here. Um, you know, and I've said, hey, treat this like a business. You've got to make the transition to a CEO. And young head coaches, that's sometimes a really difficult um, thing to do. But I think he stepped back and took a look at his program, and, and probably people have been in his ear that he trusts their opinion on maybe some tweaks to do that will help the overall operation. And I, I, you heard a little bit of that yesterday. But I, I, hope it's, I hope it sticks when you get into the heat of the battle in the middle of the season and things aren't going well. But now we just kind of wait until the season unfolds to see what kind of changes these, these are. I think the most telling one is him going to be more involved with Adrian Martinez. Yeah, that's one of them. And, and you know, there there had been a lot of talk. Like, Verduzco's gone. They're going to bring in somebody else. They're going to bring in a special teams, you know, full-time guy. Greg Austin might be gone. You know, there's rumors saying different um, assistant staff uh, members were going to get fired or move on. At least as of now, that is not happening as we sit here today per Coach Frost. Should we even care about that? Right? Like, should we care about – whether or not he, you know, like for instance, Jonathan Rutledge, special, he's probably the only special teams analyst that any fan can name, name you know, <laughs> by name. Like, <laughs> nobody knows who a special team, name another special teams analyst, put it that way. They're, those aren't household <laughs> names, but Jonathan Rutledge is here. Um, and now he's out. I, what I'm saying is, sh- should we even care how he mixes the ingredients? Uh, that's a fair question. I think what's important is stability. I think when you're going into year four, and everybody knows that Nebraska, bare minimum, has to go to a bowl game, or this isn't working, is you want to get a head start, and you don't want to all of a sudden have to be, you know, and still things are a little bit awkward and, and, and weird with uh, the COVID-19 and stuff, that you may not have a normal off season. is you want some stability. And I, I think that's a big part of why there is no shakeup. Um, you know, I, I think guys are just going to be asked to do their job better, uh, whether they're a player or whether wearing a helmet or wearing a, a headset. I, I think, you know, it, it, to answer your question, Mark, behind the scenes, I don't think we should care. However they get to the end product, what we're all concerned about and are going to watch is what does the product on Saturdays look like? Does it look good enough that you can say there is progress being made and they're headed in the right direction? At the end of the day, that is all that matters. Whatever happens behind the scenes and cooking it up before you put it out there for everybody to consume, do what you do and do what you do best. And if that's what it is, then we're going to see a result on Saturday. Gary Sharp's with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Sharpie, I want to go back to, to the quarterback work from Coach Frost with uh, 
with Adrian and what you just said, what's the product look like on Saturday? In your uh, opinion, how can Coach Frost help the quarterback position get more stabilized? Um, what will he be able to do with more involvement? Well, I, I think from the, the aspect of I played quarterback here. I know what the fishbowl is like. This is, this is what I see. Do you see the same thing? I think in just sharing stuff about what Saturdays look like, the technical part, I don't know if, if Scott will step over Mario to, to do that. Um, but, but clearly, the quarterback position from the techniques part has not gotten any better. So I think this is a good sign that Scott's going to step in. And you know what? He should. He's a former quarterback that has played here. And to sit down with his quarterbacks and walk them through the scenarios and the, the different things they can do. And you know what? If it becomes a technical conversation and, and the head coach is involved, that's, that's for the better. I, I think, you know what? You, you had a point now. Three years, 12 and 20. You can't be complaining. Oh, don't step on my toes. Don't come into my space and, and coach what I'm coaching. No. Everybody as a whole, 10 full-time assistants, have to do their job. And, you know, some do their job better than others. That They're all in it for the same reason. They all want to win football games, and they must win football games. And that means the head coach is more involved in a position that he is really, really familiar with, and he knows this offense better than anybody else. And he can help the quarterbacks on a possession-to-possession basis or on a day-to-day basis I am all for it. It, You know, the more the merrier, and you have to check your ego at the door if you're the certain position coach that all of a sudden somebody else is waiting in to offer a tip or two. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Brandon, with this last segment, brought something up that I did not realize. I don't know if you had heard this at all, but Wandale was essentially targeted or given the ball more than any player in America last year. Uh, what <laughs> um, more than anybody, but it didn't, obviously it didn't translate to touchdowns. That's not a knock on him. It's just, I mean, obviously could there be something to what Frost said about, Hey, maybe this off, maybe our offense can be more what it's, what we want it to be, which is a very strange st- statement to make. I, I get that. But when you're so reliant on one person, and then those aren't turning into points, might there be something there, a little silver lining? Well, I, th- I think that there's, there's two things there. You can go either way. You can spin it either way. He was uh, first among usage rates among Power 5 guys. I think there was a, uh, a guy from Boise State that was number one overall in all of college football, but Wandale was number one in the Power 5. Yeah. You've got a talent that you can use. Did you rely too much on him, thinking that he could bail you out? Were you forced to use a lot more of Wandale Robinson because guys around him weren't as good? Um, so you see, you can go a bunch of different ways with that. I did not like his response to Wandale Robinson and his role in the offense. He's not here anymore. We know how important he was. We know how much he, you know, how much he was utilized. You move on from that. You don't need to reference him. But I do think that it does open up the offense a little bit, and it forces you to be a little bit more creative in saying. Oh boy, we got this guy that can. We're gonna we're gonna give the ball to. We're gonna find the way to get him the ball, and he's gonna erase some mistakes for us. You don't have that guy now, so that puts the onus on you on a schematic side or other players that are gonna get that role. But I never sensed from his teammates or anybody like that that they were, you know, they were offended that Wandale Robinson was getting the ball a lot. I that was I wouldn't go there. I would 
I would cease any discussion about Wandale Robinson anymore, and I would just move on. He's at Kentucky. He's not in your program. You like some of the weapons you have. Um, now work on utilizing them. Sharpie, when it comes to, to some of those weapons, uh, let's spend a second on, on Luke McCaffrey. What did you make of Coach Frost's comments about Luke, and does that make a difference moving forward here with his future in Nebraska? Well, I mean, that's, that's the question. What is his future in Nebraska? You know, is he, is he part of the program? Is he not part of the program? You know, school starts on Monday. Conditioning starts. We're going to, you know, we'll probably find out, uh, and this is not centered around Luke McCaffrey. This could be a couple of other players that have decided not to come back. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think when you, the most important person this spring for Nebraska football at the quarterback position probably is not Adrian Martinez. I think it's Logan Smothers. Because Logan Smothers is kind of the, in my opinion, the heir apparent to that job. You have to get him coached up so that he has the ability to play if needed because Adrian Martinez is your number one quarterback. Um, you know, where, where Luke McCaffrey has fit, Luke McCaffrey is not a Division One quarterback that you can rely on on a game-to-game basis. And he's somebody who is a multi-purpose athlete that you can use that I just don't think you can win with him at quarterback full-time. Um, so I think, you know, Scott's kind of danced around. But that's, that's a question that will come up this next week is what's the status of Luke McCaffrey with Nebraska football? Speaking of Logan Smothers, I've heard so little about him. I loved his his film out of high school. You're looking at a guy that maybe is as fast or faster than McCaffrey. If you can believe that. I mean, he was a big time track guy in the state of Alabama. Um, I, I think it's I've read he's he's run multiple sub 1100s. Uh, you know, he can he he was a really good thrower. He was it was one of the best programs in Alabama. His transfer was a big deal. I mean, big time get for Nebraska, but have heard so little about his progress, how he's coming along, how he figures into the mix. What, if anything, have we heard about what Smothers is actually capable of? And I think that, and you know, Mark, that's kind of uh, coincides with this past season, the off season and the season that you've got to get ramped up quickly. And you know what you have in Martinez McCaffrey to get them ready. Um, behind the scenes, they're very excited about Logan Smothers. Something you brought up about his speed. Uh, he's, the, you know, he's the fastest of the quarterbacks. I think, you know, and it would have been nice maybe against Rutgers. He got in for a series or two, but it didn't pan out. You know, and Adrian settled down in the second half of that win. When you would watch, and I, I'm going to do this, and I hate doing this. When you would watch Logan Smothers during warm-ups with the quarterbacks and the passing drills and stuff like that, it's, it's kind of weird. He, he, he looks like a quarterback. Not, a, not an athlete playing quarterback. He looks like a quarterback, and he's got good arm strength. Um, I think he will develop. I, the one thing I've heard from people that were around him uh, this fall, he's got really good football IQ. He picked up the offense pretty quick um, in terms of diagnosing things on the fly. He just needs reps, and that's why I think you know what you have in Adrian Martinez. Yeah, you've got to tweak some things about Adrian Martinez, and you've got to say, okay, what we saw at the end of the year with his accuracy – can we continue to build on that? And then can we work on the turnover issue and the deep ball? We'll take care of that with our guy that's the first quarterback. Let's really do a deep dive into Logan Smothers, and let's get him a lot of rep work, not with the third and fourth team, 
But let's get him with the ones and the twos so he's playing with some talented pass catchers and, and behind a pretty good offensive line, and let's see where he can go from there. But they, they're very excited about uh, his future, definitely. Um, again, he doesn't strike me as an athlete playing quarterback. He looks like a true quarterback. Yeah, he was finished, by the way, just real quick, just to give an idea of his speed. He was he finished in the top eight in the 60 in the state of Alabama, and his fastest 100 time was 10.9. That's uh, that's not bad if you all of a sudden have to pull it down and take off into the open field. Sharpie, I want to go to the, the running game, and uh, we spent some time last week on, on step. But as you look at that room, is it really now just about development and, and guys getting comfortable, getting more reps, being able to come in? Is it more about a decision and a plan with a back or two? Uh, to be used. I mean, where do you gauge the the ability in that running back room when we look at on paper and stars and recruiting versus on-field production? Um, does, does Nebraska have guys in that room that can, can run the football at a Big Ten level moving forward if Nebraska drifts towards more of a power run game? Well, I do believe that. And, and I kind of have given a COVID pass to the running back room. Okay. Um, you know, Savion Morrison had injuries and COVID, and you had guys that were banged up. But they, they never really had, until the Rutgers game, you know, a breakout game by a running back. And the guy that had that game is no longer here. Um, you know, it's a room that has a lot of intriguing talent, but it's really kind of unknown. Even Marquis Stepp, is he a running back in that room, or is he running back one? Uh, I think there's talent there. I really like Gabe Irvin, and I'm, I'm, I'm even more excited – Excited about him that he came in early. So he's going to get to go through winter conditioning. He's going to go through spring ball. So he will get indoctrinated into college football. But there's the questions of where is Ramir Johnson? I think Ramir Johnson could be a really, really good player. Does Ramir Johnson become the Duck R guy? And thus you have Tompkins and you have Scott and you have Morrison and you have Irvin and you have Step that are in that backfield. Um, you know, they'll have to make some decisions on guys in the spring about what their role is, I know they really like Marvin Scott. Yeah, body types and style. Yes. Um, I'll take Sevion Morrison and Gabe Irvin. I think those are the two. Yeah. Well, I, I really, I'm excited to see Savion Morrison. I wish we would have seen him uh, this season. I, I think they, those are two guys, as you alluded to, Mark, that they really, really like. But there's some guys that, you know, they're looking at the pecking order. I think that'll be a fierce competition during the spring. And maybe Nebraska's not done upgrading that position if something falls into their lap. But right now, that's a running, group, running back room that is unproven, but I think has good enough talent that doesn't have a true number one, but has at least two or three guys that can work well with you uh, in November. I mean, Step is definitely a Big Ten November running back that'll go north and south. Gary Sharp's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, uh, we'll get you out of here on this. Thanks for jumping on this morning. Uh, as uh, we put a close to, to some of Scott's comments here uh, with uh, play calling and, and, of course, sticking with his, his assistants. And uh, finally, the, the, the comment by Bill Moose and, and Scott Frost about competing uh, in the West. Some fans are reacting with, well, look where you finished. Why are you talking about winning the West? The other side of it is if things would have been a little bit more clean, uh, you have a few more wins, be it turnovers or penalties. Um, what do you make of both both men, Frost and Moose, 
saying, yeah, the, the, the time is now. I think that's the feel, right, but could it be a reality? I mean, how far away is Nebraska in your opinion? Well, um, I don't know. That's a, that's a wide-open question because you've, you haven't proven that you can take care of the little mistakes and the little details, and I think you do take care of those. Then there's probably a win or two there. I look at this schedule as a great opportunity for Nebraska to change the narrative or the narrative to be written after four years on this football program. It's an opportunity. Um, but it's a sense of urgency. I like this. We're in January. People are saying it's go time. There isn't no more. All right, we've got to add another recruiting class. We've got to develop. No, it's go time. There's now going into four years of football. Let's see good football. And I think most importantly, guys, we all understand that winning is hard. And especially at a place like Nebraska that is, you know, kind of stuck in neutral. We just want consistency. Consistency from Saturday to Saturday. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Those toss-up games, you go 500. And maybe one out of every three games that you're an underdog, you win that football game. Just consistency from week to week in all three phases. And then I think then the program can stabilize and make that next big step towards winning the West. But you've got to fix those three phases of the game to get consistency, to take care of yourself, and don't shoot yourself in the foot. And then you can start to move forward. Amen. That's, that's about right. Get a, get a consistent Saturday and start stacking some of those. Uh, in, the bare min- in the bare minimum, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. You've you got to go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you looked at the schedule right now in January, you would look and go, six wins? Yeah, I'll take it. But that's the bare minimum for mm-hmm. 21. All right. I need a lock or a prediction on Tampa and Green Bay before you say out. Uh, like, I like Green Bay a lot. I, yeah. Tampa has beaten an XFL quarterback, and they beat Drew Brees, who had his worst postseason game. I like Green Bay at home. Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback in the cold, and uh, they're, they're playing really, really well. Offensively, Green Bay is really good, but I know a lot of people sentimentally will be mm-hmm. for the Bucks because of David and Sue, mm-hmm. but I like the Packers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All right. Sharpie, have a good weekend, man. Thanks for the time. Thanks as always, guys. See you, man. Gary yeah. Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Podcast will be posted up. Uh, the uh, interviews on demand, ESPNLincoln.com. Kranak, are you uh, firing up a, a full day of NFL tomorrow then? Of course, of course. Chiefs Packers, by the way, Chris. Oh, I, would that be, would that'd be money. It would I'm, be. I'm pulling for, for Tampa, obviously, with Sue and, and, and David and, and Davis. Yeah. And then Jason Light, the uh, the GM that's a Nebraska guy. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of Packer fans out there, and I love watching Rodgers. Green Bay's fun, man. They yeah, so they're, much they're, fun. They're, they're playing at a different level. <laughs> you know, they just are. But if it's Chiefs Packers, like everybody's Twitter timelines are, it's, mm. I mean, especially around here, like th- th- those have to be the, there have to be more Chiefs and Packers fans here than any other NFL teams, right? Like, no, there is. Well, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of Nebraska ties to the Bills, too. A lot of ex Huskers that are heading down to Arrowhead. Cranack, we'll do it again next Saturday, bud. Thanks again. Godspeed, sir. All right. Appreciate you, Damon. Back at you Monday on Hail Varsity.